Today, we have two of my favouritest workplace exemplars, and the whoosh and wisdom comes from both of them. Yolanda Ibbert, who has been the COO, the Chief Operating Officer of the very culturally interesting Bedfordia Group, and Catherine Ladd, who works as a communications manager in the civil service, where she too has been doing some very interesting things to shape the culture. A big shalomi welcome to you both. And to you in return. And also with me. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, Catherine, to, to begin with you, tell us a little bit about what your role is in the civil service? Sure. So I am a communications advisor and I specifically work on criminal justice. Oh, so that's okay. a mixture of things. Sometimes it's internal comms. So that would be something like writing a blog from a senior leader or explaining to colleagues why a change is coming in and how it will affect them or editing a staff magazine. And sometimes it's external, um, so public facing content. So that would be things like the brand of the organisation, mm -hmm. um, trying to explain how the criminal justice system works or writing a speech or planning an event. Um, so it's a bit of a hodgepodge of things like that. Sounds really quite varied and very interesting. Yeah, I love it. Can I, ask, can I interject? No, you can't. No, no, this is <laughs> my bet. You cannot interject. I just, I that is so exciting. Do you <laughs> so know any anyway. state secrets? Oh, um, if I told you, I'd have to be <laughs> oh, afraid. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I, was, I was afraid that joke was going to come in. <laughs> but in the last few years, an interesting place to be the civil service, lots of challenges and opportunities without getting yourself fired. How's, <laughs> how's, it, how's it been? What have been the challenges and opportunities? In, in that context? Yeah, it's a very interesting time to work in the government. Um, mm. There's a lot of change and some uncertainty about the direction things are heading in. Um, so I would say there's never been a more important time for Christians to work in the government. Mm. I think specific to um, criminal justice, there's a big concern over backlogs. So this is mm. court cases that haven't yet managed to have a hearing in court. Mm. And there's just so many of them. Um, and that's mm. such a stress for people who have been a victim of a crime and and are awaiting a trial and waiting for the resolution, but also for their families and their communities um, and anyone who's a witness and a defendant, your life is just sort of on hold while you're waiting. So that's a massive challenge for mm. people in the criminal justice system, um, but also for people who work there, who really, really care about the work that they do. Mm. Um, so I would say that's the sort of big challenge at the moment. Um, but communications is just a fantastic place to work. Um, I think it enables you to be the sort of middle person between a senior leader, so a CEO of an organisation and an administrative assistant who's just joined. Um, and it's an opportunity to filter down messages and tell people what they need to know in order to deliver justice. And it's also a really great um, place. You're trying to sell us a job here. Oh, you should definitely do. <laughs> Are you hiring? <laughs> Sounds fascinating. I'll be the admin assistant. <laughs> um, it's also just a really great um, standpoint from which you can call out excellent work. Um, mm. So maybe I'll say a bit about this later. Mm. Um, but it's a really fantastic place um, to recognise and highlight great work work going on because you have a sort of bird's eye view of lots of different things happening across the organisation and you get to thank people um, and value that work and that's something I really enjoy. That's brilliant isn't it? Celebrating good is always a great privilege isn't it? Absolutely. Mm. So turning to you Yolanda, yes. Chief Operating Officer of the Bedfordia Group has been yes. through many iterations. Just yes. tell us a little bit about uh, the Bedfordia Group. Yes so Bedfordia is a privately owned family business. Um, I am married to the current CEO 
chairman uh, called John, and he's the third generation of a family business. So it's a conglomerate business. During our time, we've been married for 27 years. I've been working there for 25 years. I know it's hard for you to imagine I'm that old. Um, but we work in four, we have worked in that 25 year period in four main business areas, business sectors, and that is agriculture, farming, pigs and arable, uh, Weetabix is where our wheat ends up, um, automotive uh, retailing, so that's selling cars and repairing cars basically renewable energy that was taking food waste on a commercial scale and turning it into electricity and fertilizer. That was quite a pioneering business. And then property and every aspect of property, residential, commercial and development, development land. So those are our four business sectors. It's brilliant. I, as, as you know, I've visited the business uh, a few times and uh, I was just absolutely blown away, frankly, by the way that you do things. Where did, if you like, the biblical framework for this come from? How did you shape it? Well, Mark, I'd love to say, you know, I spent many years studying theology and the theology of work, and this formed my view of how we would approach our business. Catherine, it's not true at all. Um, I think there was something about becoming a Christian, for sure. As I look back on my life, I know that God, by his spirit, placed in us this gut instinct that it had to be more than just making money and giving it away to the poor, good as that is, uh, don't hear that that is a bad thing. But just that sense of purpose, what are we doing this all for? And just feeling like God had a greater purpose in it all. And I would say this, wouldn't I, because we're on an LICC podcast with a lovely LICC sign in the background. But it really, really is true that there was just a moment in our lives and we went on the executive toolbox. I had mm. no idea what it was. I hadn't even heard of LICC. I know that's a bit shocking. I'm sorry about that. And John and I went on the LICC toolbox and it was you, Mark, who preached the theology or taught us the theology of work from Genesis chapter one and two. And it was just, Catherine, in your life, you're going to have moments that you look back on and you say, that was a moment where God opened my eyes and suddenly I saw what I hadn't been able to see before. It's like that parable where it's like first I saw... Um, when Jesus spit on the eyes, first he yeah. saw a bit vaguely. I see then, those trees walking. And then, exactly. And it was really like that. And it would just hit us between the eyes. And I realised that our own theology had begun at Genesis 3, which is the fall, sin. And we viewed work in a post-fall way. Whereas when you talk about Genesis 1 and 2 and how God had planned it, how he'd ordered the world in the right order. I remember vividly you saying, why didn't he create trees on day one? And you said, because there's nowhere for them to go. Yeah. And it's like, oh, gosh, that is so obvious. And yet I had never realized any of that. And so I think we moved from the unconscious. It was not that it wasn't there, yeah, no, no, that's it just wasn't thing. clear, and it then became clear. And it was like, you know, my chains fell off, my heart was free, I rose, went forth and followed mm. through. Suddenly we could see with greater clarity why we were in the context that we were and the purpose of what we were doing. And what was that purpose when you related to the sectors? Yeah, so rather, exactly. So rather than, oh, we are in agriculture, we are in property, we are in renewable energy, etc., etc. suddenly it's like we provide homes, mm. we provide transport, mm. we provide food, and we are providing energy. And it's like, 
it's the same thing, but the difference it makes when you view it from that world view, yeah. that biblical mm. view, it is, it's, it's amazing, so liberating. Mm. Well, I can feel the joy still, yeah. exhilaration. <laughs> it's exciting yeah. talking about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> See, since that point, how have you gone about shaping culture across quite different different businesses, so a BMW dealership um, and renewable energy and a farm, they seem like quite distinct things. How have you gone about they bringing do. them together? And it's true, Catherine, that um, at dinner parties, not that I was really at dinner parties, but if you were at dinners or anything like that and people said, what do you do? The whole kind of, well, we sell cars was all a bit, you know. So I would focus on the farming and the renewable energy because that somehow felt more virtuous. <laughs> After this conscious understanding of the biblical framework in which we were operating, we started to realise that it the common theme across all those sectors and any other sectors, your sector too, is its people. Again, mm. going to that creation theology, the pinnacle of God's creation uh, was humankind and he saw that it was very good. And so we realised that we were working across very disparate sectors and there's lots of history as to why we ended up in those sectors. Um, but it was really then from that moment working on our values. What was mm. the common thread between those things about how we did our work? And we developed uh, four values, only four, and we still work on them or by them to this day. And they are um, striving for excellence, acting responsibly and with integrity, building people in teams and developing strong business relationships. Good you remember those, isn't it? It is. <laughs> I've been at this for a lot of years. It would be shameful if I didn't remember them anymore. And I think what was unique about them, uh, we had outside consultants, they helped us, but they were developed, and again, I only understood this afterwards, but we developed them from the bottom up, not top down. So these weren't the values that we wanted to instill upon an organisation. Mm. We did lots of workshops and um, yeah, exercises with our staff, saying, trying to draw out of them what they felt were the values by which we were operating. So it was a little bit the same as moving from the unconscious to the conscious. Yeah. We did mm. the same with the values. We really felt that they were there and inherent, intrinsic within the organisation, but we just needed to put words on them. Mm. Does that... Yeah, give you some does. feel for is um would you be able to give an example maybe of one of the values in practice um what it looks like yeah probably the overarching value i don't know they're, they're all equally valuable but striving for excellence mm. is um one that seems to drive everything. We have a strap line, people are the heart that drive our business. It's not that people are at the heart, the people are the heart. You imagine a beating heart, that's our people. And the, with striving for excellence, one of the things I often say to our staff, really note this doesn't say striving for perfection. And again, because if you strive for perfection, you're destined to failure or it will ne you'll never reach that, not in the world that we're living in now. Whereas with excellence, there's place for failure, there's place for openness, honesty, oh, I, I mucked that up. There's space for always doing things better. And I mm. think another thing that I've learned over the years, a phrase that we work by, perhaps this is a bit shocking to people, but a fish rots from the head down. So <laughs> think about that. You know, we are supposedly the heads of our business. So I think it starts with us. But in your workplace, Catherine, mm. you know, you imagine from where you're working, what's your context? If you haven't got the values in place, then they, th that just 
permeates through your team, uh, the people that you're working with. Mm. So I think it was that thing of making sure that John and I actually lived the values. And I think speaking it, articulating it daily in your life, just making it part. We often talk in Christian circles, don't we, that we need to just naturally talk Jesus. And I think in the same way, just learning to naturally talk values Mm. and linking anything that we were doing to uh, those values. I'm not sure that entirely answers your question. No, that was really helpful. Let me me just um, explore that a bit further, if I may. The the thing that that really did blow me away about your values, though, because actually they are quite generic. Yes. You know, excellence, developing people. I mean, who wouldn't who wouldn't want those? Who wouldn't want one of those? What what struck me though was how you had actually identified in every area the things that you do do and you don't do as a result of having that value. And those are related to the businesses you're in. So actually, you know, there's a level of accountability that we don't do this, we do do this. And of course, you shared that with your clients. I wonder if you could drill down into the developing teams one, because I think there's some very original things that you you did in that that yes. I found quite helpful. We, we call them our behaviours. So you've got the values and then you've got the behaviours and they were then divided into, so this therefore means we do recognise everybody's contribution and show appreciation for their efforts, Mm -hmm. for example. Or we do seize learning opportunities. We do listen to others' opinions and take time to understand their needs. That's just a few of the behaviours. And then we don't indulge in unhealthy competition. We don't stifle positive ambition. We don't discriminate. We don't blame others. And again, linking it to the striving for excellence accepting that we we muck up all the time on this but it's you've got a framework within which to work and I think just one more thing to point out is that our values are imbibed in all our documentation so our annual performance review well monthly quarterly um, annual review process of staff is called striving for excellence and it then has the values within it. So you're just trying to create conversation around these things all the time, mm. at board level, on the shop floor, everywhere in between. I'll tell you the one that really, really struck me, which I absolutely loved, was um, you, you colour-coded different people. And there was a category of person. I'd, I've never seen this anywhere else. And maybe it exists in lots of places. A category of person who was doing a fine job and wasn't really promotable, but there's no one's going to push them out. They do a good job. They are who they are. We love them as they are. We appreciate them as they are. But that's okay. Whereas in lots of places, people are pushing them either up to places where they, they can't deliver. And, you know, they're feeling that anxiety. They've got to, or they're pushing them out. Because, mm. and, I, and I thought that was, that relates to me to, to, to the excellence and not perfection thing. You're excellent at this. Yes. And we're not going to push you elsewhere, which was, yes. I thought, absolutely superb really yes yeah. well do you want me to speak a little bit more about that i don't know do we want her to speak a bit more about that <laughs> <laughs> okay i'm going think, to turn to you in a second i think yeah. i've <laughs> seen this um a lot and i wonder i would love to hear from you Catherine, how this resonates in your current workplace and what you're seeing that sense that we live in a culture that just says you always have got to do more get mm. better get higher it seems that is good and anything else is bad and I think that really 
has a lot to do with some of the culture pro problems within organisations. And it mm. is exactly as you said, we have um, a capability axis mm. and then um, you can call it character or attitude axis. And, you know, someone who's highly capable, highly you know, great attitude going places, you put them in the quadrant, they are your rising stars, they're your superstars, you've got to really, really get behind them, and they are going to go far. But exactly as you said, somebody who's just really, really capable, but doesn't want to progress through the organisation or anything. It's all about finding a place for them and that there is a place for everyone. Mm -hmm. And we could develop that model. It's a well known model within um, employment and HR and all of those kind of things. But again, it's how do you translate that into reality? And back to biblical frameworks, I've been really struck by this recently, that often in our churches, we hear about the image of the body. And we say, not everybody, you know, one is the head, one is the foot, one is the knee, one is the shoulder. Um, and that's really true. And I think the first thing is to understand, well, which part of the body are you, how are you contributing? What is, are your skills? I've always been the nose. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> um, I know, this side angle is really oh, yeah, bad. Yeah, that's I why you're there and I'm here, yeah. I can tell you. <laughs> Next time, <laughs> when you invite me back, when we come back, I'm singing that. Well, then chair, you won't be coming right? back, will you? <laughs> anyway, back to my big theological point. Um, the picture of the body, you imagine that you just threw all the parts of the body in a lump and then stuck a head on top of them and said, right, now go, go on. I think there's something about organisational design here. It's mm. going back to the creation order, the, you know, mm. in order, in the right places. And I think there's something about organisational design that we know, we really take some time to think, where do people fit mm. in order that they can flourish? So there's two questions coming at you now. Mm. Question the first was the one that uh, Yolanda kind of posed, which is, again, within the bounds of what's appropriate to say. What is the development culture that you feel in? Do you feel pressed? Mm. Do you feel unpressed? Do you feel that you're called to strive for high office? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. I think in the civil service more generally, there's lots of bright young things who join in their 20s and it feels a little bit like a race to yeah. get promoted and go up the ladder and lots of people hop between departments and move as quickly as they can um, and I had a really fantastic manager when I first joined my department um, and I think we're quite similar in temperament and mm. um, yeah she said you, you might be someone who's always kind of been striving for the next thing and felt like a responsibility to yourself or to others to keep moving forward. But sometimes it's okay to stay where you are for a, a few years or a lot of years, um, as long as you're you're stimulated and you're enjoying it and you feel like you're contributing. You don't always need to push for the next thing. And that was the most helpful thing I could possibly have heard mm. from a manager when I joined. Um, and it's something I'm now trying to emulate, um, having just moved into a position while I'm managing. It's yeah. so um, it's so useful to have had that message and had time to let that sink in. And I'm now trying to make sure that's the sort of thing that I speak about as well. Do you want to say something a little bit more about how you've shaped, tried to shape the culture that you're in and tried to shape the teams mm. you're in yeah. since you've been there? Yeah, sure. So the, the managing thing is really interesting. I think I'd not thought about it loads before and then suddenly it was like, oh, my time is not my own anymore. I'm trying to organise other people's workloads and, you know, balance being constructive in a, in a sort of, I don't know, 
useful way that's not crushing with feedback um, and stretch someone, give them opportunities, but not leave them feeling unsupported. So yeah, it's been like a, a whole new skill set to try and learn. Mm. I think something I'm conscious of is how, um, how do you manage well as a Christian when you yourself are under stress? Um, mm. Because there have been times in the past um, where I felt under, under stress at work in different roles. Um, and it's just so easy to filter that down to someone who's reporting to you and make an unreasonable ask or or expect somebody to work longer hours or later um, or to be more brisk in your feedback. Um, so that's something I'm trying to get my head around. I don't know if you've got any advice on that, Yolanda. I just sit here, Catherine, and I can't imagine for one moment that you are ever brisk or... <laughs> that's good. You've heard the terms swan, haven't you? Yeah. That some people are like a swan. I always describe myself as an upside-down swan. <laughs> I'm just flapping like this. So this is an area at my age that I am very sad to say I'm still learning. And, yeah, a harsh word... Mm. Um, a, a brisk comment, uh, an impatient re uh, retort, they can be very damaging. And I'm as guilty as the next man for doing that when you're under stress. So I think with these things, just keeping it in your conscious mm. and just keeping short accounts with God. Mm. And uh, he knows, he forgives each day is uh, new every morning. Uh, his generosity is new each day, isn't it? And uh, yeah, I don't know. What do you think, Mark, to that? Oh, I've, I've never been brisk. <laughs> I've just been rude. <laughs> brisk brisk yeah. sounds very modest. No, it's difficult, isn't it? And I think under pressure, one of the things is that um, I think the thing for me is what I notice is that I have a disproportionate response. Mm. Yeah. And whenever it's disproportionate, I ask myself, why am I responding disproportionately? Mm. And it's usually because it's, it's often nothing to do with that person or that piece of work. Yeah. I mean, that may be the straw or whatever it might be. Mm. And I think for me, I mean, actually, you know, you know, I am ancient of days, but the Lord has been speaking to me quite a lot about this recently. And partly, um, yeah, yes, quite a lot about it. And I think um, the reflection moment at the end of the day for me mm. is because sometimes you miss it during the day and then you go back over your day and you think, what did that feel like? Well, that didn't feel right. That felt bad. Why? Why? Why mm. was that? What was going on? So, yes, you can then keep yeah. short accounts with God and then work out whether sometimes it's just you, isn't mm. it? You are feeling really angry with somebody and you've communicated nothing. You know, they don't pick up on it. And I have often, I say often, apologised to people. <laughs> what are you apologising for? I didn't notice anything. <laughs> oh, whoops. <laughs> So, you know, the worst the, ones are when they did notice. Yes, I, I guess you're quite right in this. I, yes, and I have put in my resignation. Yeah, exactly. No, there's, so I think, there, yeah. there's something about parents being willing to apologise to their children. I think mm -hmm. that translates into the workplace as well mm -hmm. and being humble enough to acknowledge your own bad behaviour and um, not even trying to explain it, but just say sorry to people. Mm. It's hugely powerful. That's the reality because yeah. nobody expects anybody to say sorry. Yeah. The number of stories I've heard of people when they have gone to apologise for something and and the impact that that has because mm. it's vulnerable and it's humble mm. and it's transparent. And mm. um, whilst it can be abused and one might sometimes get a response, which is, yeah, <laughs> um, it is huge. Not that you do it for that reason, but it, mm. it, it is, it's godly behaviour. Mm. 
So it's good. I want to I want to talk to you more about culture though. About, more about culture. So you've got your team. Yes. But um I happen to know, um, because I know people who know you, that you've actually taken a number of very interesting cultural shaping initiatives. Mm-hmm. And rather than I, I want you to talk about them. We want you to talk about We do. We do we yes, we do. We, yes. we, we yeah. We Remain to, teachable. I've got so, lots to learn. I know, so they're brilliant. So just Give us a couple to begin with and then we can interrogate you. Sure. Um, so something I have worked on for the last few years is our Awards for Excellence scheme. Um, so this is the formal way by which people are recognised in the organisation for doing outstanding work. Um, and I took it over and sort of shadowed um, a bit of 2019 and then was all ready to take it over in 2020. And right. then the world had different plans. What happened plans. in 2019, 2020? Vague memory. Um, <laughs> so it suddenly, uh, yeah, it had to look very different. Yeah. Um, and obviously everyone was under a huge amount of pressure and no one knew how long that was going to go on for, um, the, the pandemic and lockdowns. Um, and so there was a sort of question mark over it. Well, is this really worth doing mm. at a point where we're, you know, struggling to set up our sort of basic working rhythms. Mm. Um, but um, fortunately, we did go ahead and I was in charge of it. And I was just so keen to make it feel like not a, a non-event year, yeah. um, but a year where people's work was seen and valued all the more for the mm. extra challenges that they were facing. Um, so there was a whole sort of process of people being nominated um, and winning locally and then going through to the national stage and mm. um, and then we would normally do a big event um somewhere nice in london um, and invite people in and say thank you and we obviously couldn't do that and um, so i had to put my creative beret on i want one of those berets <laughs> think of a creative hat <laughs> that came to mind yes um, so we um, we could have just sent an email saying, Tiara, please, can you... Fascinator. <laughs> Even better. Um, but yeah, we could have just emailed people and said, oh, we're going to have a, a Microsoft Teams call. Hmm. Do, you, do you want to come? Um, like I found a sort of digital e-invite. So you've got an envelope come into your inbox and you click on it and then this oh. sparkly invitation appears. Um, and then I found a company that does afternoon teas. Um, so people sent us their addresses and then on the, the afternoon oh. of the awards, they had something to enjoy with their family. Um, we oh, wanted wow. people to, to dress up and bring their children and their pets. And it was just such a lovely afternoon. And I had a note from someone afterwards. He says, I've worked here for 20 years and I've never felt valued um, oh. in such a way as I did today. Mm, yeah. uh, it was just such a lovely note to receive. Yeah. Um, and I thought, what a what a fantastic privilege to get to work on something that can make someone feel like that, to feel seen. Mm. Very well done. Very well done. I think I think rewards in companies are really quite interesting. Yeah. I went to a company called Electronic Arts once, and I happened they were asked me to do some stuff on culture with them, and I happened to for the briefing I happened to be there on their awards day, mm. and they had one award which was unsung hero, uh, which you know which is somebody that does a great job for a long time, and mm. then and then they had uh, international awareness award it was an american company so they wanted to really value people who because they worked across europe who made a real effort to be culturally sensitive and all that kind of stuff and yes they had the mvp the most valuable player i also like the one they had uh, rookie of the year <laughs> but there were five of them oh. which i thought was you know not because they probably couldn't have made up their mind but uh, you know it's kind of nice so those things really do make a difference mm. and the the categories make a difference. Yeah, absolutely. And the categories that would, would come up with 
previous year, I think, or maybe it was even that year, they um, were sort of written to reflect the values of the organisation. So can you give us some examples? Oh, goodness. Um, I so, to put the most person, people through the criminal justice system <laughs> efficiently. <laughs> we might get in trouble for that one. <laughs> no, we had okay. something on outstanding casework. Mm. Um partnership workings they're working with different partners right. in the criminal justice system um our people uh, which goes back to what you were saying you learned about people being at the the beating heart of the organization yeah. so that's for for those who've supported others and look for development opportunities um yeah it's a, a fantastic set Brilliant. Can, can I just say something about that? Just for well, your encouragement. No, you did ignore me. So <laughs> you just, <laughs> I always on. Do, Mark. <laughs> just listening to you um, and linking it back to the discussion we had mm. about um, the values and that, I think a word to hold on to in all of these things with awards events and things, how you turn them from not being box ticking exercises mm. to something that is really meaningful is consistency. Mm and actually doing it over the long haul. So not coming up with a great idea and then it all fizzles out because people feel that. Mm. But actually that sense of you, you know, holding on for the long haul and next year again and again and or maybe doing it differently, but mm. just finding ways all the time because at the heart of that is you want to value people, not tick a box. Mm. And I think that's just to encourage you mm. through your life. What, what am I doing and how can I do it consistently? Mm. I think that's right. Um, the, the, the evangelist Rico Tice yes. um, um, was once asked actually by you on a stage, you know, Rico, you're a great platform evangelist and uh, you do great things. And so, so what's your advice to us Muppets, I think you might have used or something <laughs> like that. I was in the audience. Obviously, she was clearly talking about me. And, um, and he said, well, you celebrate the person, you serve the person, you ask a question across the line. And I think that posture of celebration, mm. you know, and then serving, I think is so critical. So few mm. people, curiously at work, feel celebrated or valued. I mean, you're, I mean, that's a tragic statement, mm. although a wonderful letter you got from that person who said, I haven't felt valued, nobody's done that like this for 20 years. And mm. so many people, I think, feel that. So mm. whether we are a manager or a very senior manager, or we're actually somebody who doesn't manage anybody, mm. a warm word, a celebration of somebody's qualities can be can be can be fantastic and on that on that note of celebration uh when you look back Yolanda over the last few years of work are there particular so many things aren't there? so many years <laughs> particular things you'd um you're just really thankful for or um grateful you got to work on yeah it is really hard to answer that question succinctly because there is a lot and I think firstly I would say that the joys are in in amongst the struggles. Mm. They are not separate things. Uh, they're, they're like parallel tracks that are going along. So often in the workplace, you can just be very consumed with the next problem, the next thing you've got to sort out, the next decision you've got to make, the next trouble that's coming, you know, the next chancellor statement, as we've had um, recently. Um, what was the question I was asking? The celebrations along the way. Just one or two moments. Um, over the last few years, we've actually exited some of our businesses. So our automotive business in 2014, our renewable energy business in 2017. And then very, very recently, only a couple of weeks ago, we exited our pig business, pig production business. And I think those are moments when God for us has just drawn back the curtain mm. like he's taken us backstage 
and in small things, comments from our staff as they've, as we've said farewell and done that well, as we've run a good sale process full of integrity, full of transparency. We've had one of our guiding values, it's full transparency. That we will show warts and all to whoever is buying the business. Finding a good buyer so that we are then a good seller. So that sense of passing something on in good order um, for our staff, because at the end of the day, they matter. So if people do matter in the, that moment, how you sell businesses um, really comes through. And they have been delightful moments. I'll tell you one story when we sold our automotive business. Normally what happens is the new owners come in on the day of sale and announce to the staff that they're the new owners and everyone's in a state of shock. And this is common practice and we said that is not happening we need a period between them having it announced that it's been sold and we want to then we had 12 hours and we went around all our dealerships and we shook everybody's hand and we wanted to thank them wish them well and um, say farewell and one girl came up to me and she was called Tabby she is called Tabby and she came up to us and she hugged us she hugged me and she said Everything I have, everything I have achieved in life is because of you. And I was completely taken aback. And I said, no, Tabby, it's because of you, you know, your skills, your everything you brought. And what she was thanking us for was the opportunity for her to flourish. Mm. And in that moment, it was like, I didn't know. I didn't know that she felt that way. And it was a, that's one tiny example of other things. Can I stop being Tigger for a moment? Yes. Be Eeyore. And, um, but I know, and I'm, I guess it happens to people in any business at some point, that there have been some uh, pretty bearish times. What, what's got you through that? Um, I am very blessed as I look back over my life. Um, can I start again? Let me start with saying that it's not often in my life that I can say I have opened scripture or have been reading a passage of scripture and something has just leapt out of the pages at me, which is different from saying that, it, you know, I'm not touched by it. But that sense of it absolutely leaping out the page. Many, many, many years ago, I was reading the Bible and I was in a not very good place. I was in my teenage years and it, the verse that jumped out was when Jesus was preparing his disciples for his own death. And he said, I tell you these things in order that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And I think, yeah, I could get quite emotional. It was like, I was young, I was 16. And it was, I look back now. And it's Kierkegaard, is it, who said, we live our lives forward, but we understand our lives backwards. Mm. And I think that was a, that verse mm. became very, very true. So I think God was putting in place the theology of suffering uh, from an early age. Mm. I think good teaching, being involved in a church where you receive good teaching from the Bible, I think that. And I think the other side of that, alongside the, having your theology in place, understanding about a sovereign God, understanding about sovereign, um, suffering, understanding that you know, you don't become a Christian and life's a bed of roses, um, has been very, very helpful. But also an understanding that you can't do stuff alone. And I think I learnt it from my mother. 
she <laughs> observing her through life whenever anything happens it's like instinctively it's like who do i need to tell and who do i need to ask and that's deeply instilled within me and um just that sense of you know you're saying very senior people in the organization and even that makes me tremble you know it, seniority isn't about your capabilities seniority is about the responsibility that you bear mm. and actually we have been put in senior positions we've had to bear a lot of responsibility and decision and you cannot do that alone you need people with different skills from you different talents different characteristics and we have been very very blessed and john particularly from a young age god showed him that surround yourself with people better than you with different skills that all the talents that you don't have build is again the picture of the building the body and i've learned a lot from him mm. and i think that has collectively got us through mm. and d d walking it with john you know better better two. you're in yeah better two than one yeah, yeah. all of that Decide. Which I'll be getting married then, isn't it? Oh, are you? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Jesus. Can I be your bridesmaid? <laughs> Am I too old? Oh, I'm sure not. <laughs> Anything you want to say to that? Don't. <laughs> Don't you I could wear a beret. <laughs> the bridal beret. <laughs> Congratulations. Oh, thank you very much. Um, I guess you've, you've spoken about some of it, but just taking a sort of step back, I'm quite new to the world of work are there particular lessons um or bits of advice that you want to impart to, to anyone like me who's maybe listening at a similar life stage um what would i say i would say look this stuff in the eye do podcasts with mark green because it really forces you to think about this stuff and i would say don't take as long as i took to wake up to this stuff um and I can see already that you haven't. So I would, I would say be proactive, um, learning about the, get your theology in place, the theology of work, um, all your theology, but in your work context, getting that in place. Theology of suffering, as we've just talked, mm. understand what your worldview is and, and the lens through which you're looking at everything you do, because that then will encourage you. Then you will be able to see what God is doing. So don't allow yourself to become blind to what God is doing day by day. I would also say be really proactive in understanding how God has made you particularly. He made human, all humankind in his image, and we are equally blessed with that and created in that way. But he creates us also particularly. So what, what, how did he make Catherine? What, what floats your boat? What, what makes you sing? What makes your heart flourish? And what are the things you're involved in that really excite you? Mm -hmm. And I think that the more you can have a view of that, then you can apply, you can understand which contexts will, will make you mm -hmm. flourish the most, mm -hmm. I think. Let me put you on the spot a bit. Let me yes. make you the representative yes. of your How does generation. That sound? <laughs> oh my goodness. So you've, you've been listening to, we've all been listening to Yolanda. <laughs> <laughs> most people Maybe see that as not necessarily a positive marvelously. thing. <laughs> so what do you... Um, is there something in particular that you hear either for yourself or, mm. or for your peers? Because I know you're involved quite, with quite a lot of people of your own age who are followers of Jesus and mm. trying to crack it in, in the working world at this time. Anything in particular you hear for them? Yeah, oh, it's been hugely helpful. I think mm. I really liked your point fairly early on about values permeating um, a working environment. Um, and if you 
know what you believe and you are living with integrity um, and enacting those things, then it it catches on mm-hmm. and it can really shape the, mm-hmm. the working culture around mm-hmm. you. I thought that was really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really loved your point around um, seniority being about not capability, but responsibility mm-hmm. and not being afraid to surround yourself with people better than you and not being threatened by other people having fantastic skill sets, yeah. but really celebrating that um, and yeah, using that to God's glory. I think that My was My goodness, wonderful. I feel so inspired hearing you say it. It's oh, it's, like, it's oh, all these things. I want to go and do that. Can, can I perhaps just say one more thing? Mm. Maybe we're going over time now. Uh, we live in a world that says we must strive for success, doesn't mm. it? And somebody recently said to me, what's the measure of success, Yolanda? And I was, I was completely stumped and I didn't know how to answer that. And it's, well, is it what money you make or what position you reach or um, how far you go in your career or all manner of things? And he took me back to the parable of the talents. Mm. And we know the parable of the talents, I guess, many of the listeners, uh, the one talent, but the five talent, the, all of that, the multiplication effect. But the master comes back. And what does he say to the servant? He says, well done, good and faithful servant. And that sense that actually the measure of success is being faithful with what you've got. So I think that would be my parting piece mm. of advice to you is like, what have you got in terms of your time and your money that you earn some men, some much, some little and your talents, your skills, all of that stuff and use those uh, to multiply for God's kingdom. And that is the measure of success. And he will say to us all one day, well done, good and faithful servant. And won't that be a joyful moment? Yeah, very so indeed thank you very much thank you very much and we have uh, two little things to do first uh, before we close one is the the tjm quiz <laughs> yes no most of them and um, this is only for you Linda, i'm afraid no. yes yes no, you, this is your this is your this is age discrimination it's age discrimination <laughs> so here we go very quick only 60 seconds sweet or savory sweet pork or beef pork <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Diet Coke or Baron Rothschild Mouton no, Cadet 96? Diet Coke, obviously. Gospel of Mark or Gospel of John? Mark. Makes sense, doesn't it? <laughs> Ezekiel or Zephaniah? Uh, Ezekiel. Holland or Switzerland? Holland. Oh. It's Film Holland. or novels? Film. Pierce Brosnan or Daniel Craig? Oh. oh. Clearly neither. <laughs> Tom Cruise, probably. <laughs> Mark Green. Oh, no, Mark no, Green. Okay. Clearly you need glasses. Um, I have some. <laughs> so a good book you've read this year? Oh, my goodness. Doesn't have to be. Uh, Divides, which Divide? is the class divide within the church. Right, Divides. I good. found that very... Is that by? Oh, don't, I don't know. Okay, Divides. One thing you really like about Jesus? Oh, that he's just there all the time. And he, he's just so forgiving. Well, thank you very much, Yolanda, and thank you very much indeed, uh, Catherine. Absolutely wonderful to have you with us today. We do have uh, little gifts for you. Oh, <gasps> no, it's very, very exciting. <laughs> I love gifts. It's yeah. early yeah. Christmas. Uh, because it's the TJM podcast, guess what you get? Oh, you get the latest edition. The latest edition. Thank you, Yolanda. To add to your collection, keep it or give it to a friend. I haven't signed it, so thank it's still more valuable than it would right, be. Catherine, we now have to look to our own <laughs> camera. <laughs> Very good. And some oh. red Lindors. Because you can all have this. I'm definitely <laughs> keeping these. Thank and you. Little red red dots yeah. to remind you how sweet it is to walk with Jesus in the world. Thank you. Well, again, thank you very much uh, for listening as well. In upcoming episodes of TJM, we'll be exploring 
working for and with uh, Jesus in a variety of sectors, including the gaming sector, the um, prison service, the high court, and the retail sector. As Moses put it in Psalm 90 verse 17, may you know the favour of the Lord, it says in many translations, but actually the word in Hebrew is delight. So may you know the delight, may you know the delight, may you know the delight of the Lord. And then he connects it to this, and may he establish the work of your hands. Yes, may he establish the work of your hands. So may you know the delight of the, of the Lord as he establishes the work of your hands, whatever you do for his glory. <laughs>